I'm Rico. And I'm Jessica. And this is the Always With The Critic podcast where a couple friends review the latest movies, except we have literally zero qualifications to do so. <laughs> Jessica, how are you doing today? I'm good. I'm good. I, I painted a wall in my room and the primer is so, like, it's killing me. It's like the <laughs> are so strong. So I feel a little ridiculous, but it's okay. Uh, I know how you feel. I've, I've had that experience of painting and using primer and uh, <laughs> the room would suck to be in because of all the fumes. Uh, I haven't done it in a while and I don't plan on doing it anytime <laughs> soon just because uh, it's, uh, I, I spent most of my teenage years whenever my mom on a whim would be like, hey, I want to do this project. Right. And so it would just be like randomly on a Saturday night because my mom mm-hmm. like catches her second wind. Yep. So it wouldn't be day projects. It would be night projects. Yep. And so uh, I would go ahead and have to like paint an entire room and all. It, it was yep. whatever. Um, so my mom made my sister paint during a hurricane. <laughs> oh, during a hurricane. Wow. I don't think your mom can beat that one. No, I don't it think we've like ever done it. My mom was painting a bathroom and my sister was living at home at the time. And she, they were like, okay, on this weekend, we're going to paint the bathroom. Except a hurricane came and my mom's like, we're still painting the bathroom. Like, what have we got to do now? Like, we can't go outside. <laughs> so it was well, great. Might as well while you're yep. in there, right? <laughs> yeah. All right. So today we are talking about a brand new movie. Uh, we are talking about a brand new release and we're talking about Freaky, the new horror slash slasher comedy that is out. <laughs> I know it's not slash slasher. Horror, blah, 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 blah. So uh, before we get into the actual review, if this is your first time listening, go ahead and subscribe on your favorite podcast app. We're on Apple Podcasts. We're on Spotify. We're on Google Podcasts. We're on a lot of things. So if you like us, give us a review on Apple Podcasts, because that goes a long way. Keep it five stars. That We would greatly appreciate that. Come and check us out on social media to stay up to date on our latest episodes and reviews. You can find us on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook at AlwaysCriticPod. And if you're a fan, please consider becoming a patron. It's a great way for you to get involved and show your support. You can check out the page on Patreon.com slash AlwaysCriticPod. And so let's go ahead and let's talk about the movie of the weekend it's a brand new movie there's been advertisements everywhere for this movie yeah. and that is freaky this is a new slasher slash horror comedy <laughs> uh and it is directed by christopher landon christopher landon also helped write this movie alongside michael kennedy uh the movie stars katherine newton um kind of a newish uh teen actress or Young actress. I shouldn't say Yeah, teen. I was going to say. <laughs> She's not a teen anymore. And then alongside her is one of my favorite like comedians is Vince Vaughn. Such a great comedic actor. He really is. He's a great comedic actor. And uh, filling up a little more of another role is Alan Ruck, who you may know from Ferris Bueller's Day Off. Mm-hmm. Uh, so He's we have an interesting cast. He's Cameron. Yes, exactly. He is Cameron. Uh, we have an interesting cast. I th- want to talk about the cast of this movie, how they play off of each other. But before we do, uh, Jessica, why don't you tell us how 
critics have come across this movie so far? Rotten Tomatoes score is at an 87% right now, and there is no audience score so far because the movie, we're recording this before the movie has been released right. officially. Um, the Rotten Tomatoes consensus says, an entertaining slasher with a gender-bending, body-swapping twist, this horror comedy juggles genres with freaky, fun results. Hey, look at that. Hey. They use the title of the movie. Uh, we don't really have much box office to report because, again, this is before the movie's released. Uh, but I can't expect too big of an opening. No, especially I feel like it's after Halloween. Yes. Kind and of. And it feels a little belated to come out with a slasher movie, you know, so after Thanksgiving and all right. this stuff. So, I mean... Because I the, can't expect a lot of people to go out in droves and see this movie, especially so the, with COVID. Right, exactly. Uh, I think the biggest, the big premise of the movie is that the events in the movie take place on Friday the 13th. Right. And that was even the marketing of the movie. The movie was like, see it Friday the 13th, and then below that, of November. So, like, it was part of their marketing routine to really advertise that specifically. But, yes, I will agree that it kind of misses the boat when you have a movie that you could tell is geared for, like, that Halloween time. Mm -hmm. Homecoming is a major theme in the movie for high schoolers. And homecoming usually takes place around the time of Halloween mm -hmm. during school. So, yeah, they kind of missed the boat. I, I will... I will I say think that they did too. Yeah, I think they could have gotten a little more play out of it, but I think I really think they were trying hard to go for a movie to be released on Friday the Thirteenth, right? And November happened to be this year, so they were Friday like, "Oh yeah, November, Friday the Thirteenth." Sure, and they kind of missed the season. Now, with that said, though, what did you think of the movie Freaky? I thought it was extremely gory. Um, grotesque at points like surprisingly so because i didn't go into this thinking it was going to be like a slasher kind of movie mm. i just thought it was an homage to that genre versus like oh we're we're going there oh oh wow so you had a different concept of no what? i had a totally different concept oh, of, no. uh, of this movie and i don't know why i had like a pg-13 in my in my head Really? Okay. Yes. Like I came in thinking, oh, it's PG thirteen. <laughs> oh no, it's not, guys. No, it's, it's definitely not. rated R. Uh, yeah. So when I saw the trailer for the first time, I remember I was in the theater watching it, and I remember you see her face, you know, with blood, and there's you know a pivotal moment of when that happens, and I was thinking, oh, so we're probably gonna get some gnarly stuff in this movie if if blood is drenched on her face. <laughs> so and that was just in the first trailer so uh but i wasn't ready for the way they would show the kills mm -hmm. some of the mm -hmm. kills are like really just out there i knew there would be kills and i knew people were gonna get it in weird or interesting ways maybe it would be a way of saying it but uh like the teacher I, I won't oh, yeah. say how, but Alan Ruck's character, yeah, has, Alan like, Ruck's the worst character, death. and and they kind of tease it in the trailer too, because yeah. you kinda, you you see him for a brief second, uh, for what's about to happen. But yeah, he gets it like gnarly. Um, 
How about the how about the acting in this movie? So this was interesting because I don't think I was the premise is cute. You mm. know, the Freaky Friday. Right, the Freaky Friday, play. like yeah. Right, because they switch bodies. Um but the acting was actually not not bad at all. I, I thought Catherine Newton was doing something <laughs> she made a choice she made a choice like her physical performance was something to behold as she is trying to be serial killer vince vaughn <laughs> um and so you could tell like when they switch it's like a very uh physical performance from each of them Catherine newton included and then vince vaughn of course um doing his best Jack Black, because I feel like Jack Black did it first, where he was like having an experience, like a girl is in his body, like even right. the same thing. So it was good. I, I liked Vince Vaughn and I like Catherine Newton. I there the point where they show Vince Vaughn as a serial killer, I was like, this makes a lot of sense. And then they, <laughs> they switch, and I'm like, this makes even more sense. Oh so, my goodness. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Do you think that the producers or the people writing the movie saw Jack Black and thought we can have this similar type of premise? Mm. Get a famous comedian, let them let them go to work. Let them <laughs> let them create their own character. I would be surprised if they had not watched Jack Black in Jumanji. Right, I would have been surprised too because that was such a funny performance by Jack Black in Jumanji. Yeah. Uh, playing yeah. a teenage girl obsessed with her phone and the way she looks <laughs> and, you know, the different inflections and words and how how he overpronounces some things. So Vince Vaughn does something similar. I don't think it's to the it's same effect. not the same character. No, yeah. no, it's not the same character. And it's not to the same effect as the way Jack Black does. Mm-hmm. But... It's just enough where you can you can have fun with Vince Vaughn doing an impersonation of a teenage girl. Yes. Yeah, like Which is even, something I didn't know we needed <laughs> or wanted. Right, and especially with um, so few movies, it, it's good to finally see like an actor like Vince Vaughn, who's kind of been like doing like a lot of indie films like here and there. Uh, recently he hasn't really been in the spotlight in terms of a major comedy mm-hmm. and so this is finally like a almost like a comeback i feel for vince vaughn just because he's been away for a little while yeah. it feels like mm. uh now uh going back to Catherine newton uh i honestly before this movie <laughs> and before i looked up her name or should i say before the movie started I honestly thought she was a completely different actress. What? I, I thought she was, I don't know what got it into my head, that I thought she was Anna Sophia Robb from, uh, no. I think, Bridge to Terabithia. No. Or, yeah, I thought that was her, and I thought she had grown up, and, oh, okay, she's here. <laughs> no, completely different person. And, totally different you know, person. I was, yeah, I was completely wrong on that. So, she she was actually in a movie that we saw last year. She was in Detective Pikachu. Yes, that's she, where we saw her. And she was also in the movie Blockers as well. She oh, I is never one saw of Blockers. oh you I never saw you Blockers saw yes yeah. and she's one of the three teenage girls who uh, 
you know, trying to get away from the parents on prom night. Uh, yeah, so I really enjoyed her performance. I think that we, you and I had this uh, quick little discussion because it relates to another movie that we've both seen. And it was that all the characters in this movie treat her as homely, as yeah. <laughs> ugly, oh, yes. uh, you know. And you you mentioned something to me and a not, reference. Uh, maybe not ugly, but like undesirable. Undesirable. And you kind of, you reference another movie that we watch and that's Pride and Prejudice. <laughs> with uh, you, re- Kier- you watch it for the first time. This I year. watch it for the first time. And, and we talked of, about it on our Blind Spots episode. If we you did. Want to go back and hear his thoughts on it. But but the main the, thing. The main thing is the Elizabeth right. versus the sister. Versus the sister where they, you know, the sister is played by Rosamund Pike. And everyone is just like enamored with Rosamund Pike. And you have to settle for Akira Knightley. <laughs> and it's like, I'm sorry you guys are clearly not seeing how beautiful this person is i don't get it right and you mentioned something like that along the lines yeah um when we saw uh catherine newton because she was being made fun of uh Mm. i think someone mentioned something about putting a bag over her head and it's just like okay seriously yeah i don't know what's going on here in terms of what these teenage kids are seeing but then again teenagers are dumb Teenagers yeah. are dumb, dumb as hell. So yeah, yeah, it's it's stuff like that. Um, how about any other characters that kind of stand out in this so movie? So I'm I'm afraid I don't know their real names, but it was the <laughs> the gay best friend and the um, black best friend that they were kind of like tropes. <laughs> yeah, they were. Like they kind of were tropes, to, you know, in a traditional. Um, I don't even want to say traditional, but in the formula for slasher movies and horror films, like people on the fringe, like, you know, LGBTQ people and uh, people of color (laughs) always die. They always die. And like, it's a thing. So to have these characters be her friend and, uh, and, um, make it like spoiler like they live um is interesting i don't know if it's necessarily flipping the trope on its head uh they they even reference it and not a spoiler because it's in the trailer uh there's a moment where we already see vince vaughn has transformed and he's chasing the two of them Mm -hmm. and you hear uh the character josh who is the gay best friend who yells out you're black i'm gay uh we're gonna die (laughs) yeah because yeah that is the trope that is um what usually or typically would happen in a slasher Mm -hmm. movie it 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 sucks but it's usually true and i had to think back at some of the other like slasher horror movies where they're picking off people one by one and it's true like the black person usually dies first and (laughs) it really sucks yeah but in this in this particular case, uh, Nyla, who's played by Celeste O'Connor, mm-hmm. and you have Josh played by Misha Osharovich. Uh, Ooh, yeah, that's uh, fun to say. That was fun to say. <laughs> uh, they they are really cool best friends, you know, ride or die, and 
you know, they, they get their moments to be funny. They get their moments to help out. But at the end of the day, it, it doesn't really matter the other people around because if you can't nail down the Catherine Newton performance or the Vince Vaughn performance, this movie would be flat. Oh my gosh. Believe me. Because, Six o'clock flat. Yes, it would. Because I think even though the the kills are interesting here and there, there's enough of a light mood throughout to make it a comedy. Uh, but I feel that the movie kind of starts spinning its wheels a little bit. Yes. Uh, where it, you know what the goal is, mm-hmm. but the, the movie is just not getting there. It's mm-hmm. not getting to that goal. It's not getting to the plot machinations. And maybe it's because they, you know, they have to make it. They have to stretch. The movie's yeah. not that long. It's not that long. And I feel like they, you're right that it sort of spins its wheels in the middle because you see where the movie is going and yes. you understand the end game. And you're, you're like, okay, I'm not that I'm bored, but like, why are we still like, right? Why are doing, we still in the movie? Why are we still running around? Yeah. Right. Why are we still running around? Yes. Exactly. So that was that's a complaint of mine of the movie is that there's that there's a part of it where you start wanting to say to yourself, okay, let's go, let's get on, yeah. uh, move on. We already know what's going to happen or what we're expecting to happen. And, and you know, I think that's also maybe a flaw of the movie is. You know, this particular movie, you know how it ends, like, as soon as it starts. (laughs) Right. And especially when they show the plot device, like, Mm -hmm. what exactly happens Mm -hmm. and how we get to the body switch. Mm -hmm. Then you know, okay, this is how they have to switch back. And let's see how they get there. Uh, Yeah. It's it's quite predictable. Yes. I would say that's the biggest flaw of the movie is that like why watch it if you know what's going to happen and like there's no new ground covered and there's really no originality besides like the two best friends are people of my not minorities but like people of color and um LGBTQ and they live like compared to the usual slasher. Movie. Right. That that's one thing of doing it. I think another thing and you mentioned this as well is that who exactly is killed in the movie? Mm. Um, yes. So, well, is this a spoiler? Do you want to go into spoilers? Um, you know what? I think we can go into spoilers. We'll talk about that in just a second. Before we do, let's give our scores for the movie. Uh, Jessica, what did you give it out of five? I gave it two and a half. Oh, okay. Out of five. Gotcha. It was a three when I walked out of the theater. And then now that I've sat on it for a couple of days, Over it's time. a two and a half. Yeah, it's yeah. a two and a half. Uh, I settled on a three for myself. Okay, yeah. Uh, because I think I, again, I enjoy the two lead performances. For me, there's enough there mm-hmm. um, to get enough fun out of the movie. Because, sure, there's... A lot of it you can kind of guess or you can assume where the movie's going, but you can still have fun along the way. And these two performances, these two characters are still enjoyable and have a good time around. Yeah, I would say that the two and a half is also because it's extremely forgettable. Mm, gotcha. Like in a few months, we're going to be like, oh, yeah, what? Oh, yeah, like, that movie. Yeah, that movie. So 
I feel like it doesn't have a lasting effect on the moviegoer and we've only seen it once. <laughs> so it's like, I don't, I don't think it's, it's going to deserve a three. I've, I've given other movies threes and I'm like, okay, it's not as good as those Ooh, movies. Not as good as those movies. Yeah. So with that, we're going to go ahead and talk about spoilers for Freaky right after this. The greatest trick. Houston, we have a problem. I am the father. I see dead people. The devil ever pulled. Pay no attention to that man behind the curtain. Was convincing the world. You can't handle the truth. He didn't exist. Oh, what's in the box? Okay, so let's go ahead and talk about spoilers for Freaky. Okay, so let's talk about what I was about to mention just mm-hmm. now before the break is who gets killed in the movie yes. in contrast to the main character. A lot of the so, – you mentioned so it. So here, like Vince Vaughn's serial killer character is pretty much just killing youths. Yes. <laughs> like um, young people and that's like the urban legend that the kids who are having um, – what is it like a bonfire or something at somebody's house? Yeah, they're hanging like out a fire pit. in the house. Um, you know, they're doing all the wrong thing. Like that's the whole concept of like the slasher movie going right. after kids. It's Ooh, like they're, they're doing, drinking, they're, drinking. they're having sex. Yeah, and they're like terrible, and so they deserve someone to get killed right. because of their debauchery. So like those kids are feeling all the all the check marks for if a slasher crazy killer is on the loose and they're going to get children it's going to be these kids so they get just cut up like just you know they get slaughtered at the beginning of the movie and that's the mo of vince vaughn's serial killer is just like kids being terrible kid vulnerable teenagers you know that have everything going for them bright futures (laughs) having sex um and Having drinking sex is bad and <laughs> and the serial killer the killer gets them so when they switch Vince Vaughn's serial killer which is now inside Catherine Newton's body is still going for kids but the kids aren't doing anything necessarily wrong like no drinking or having sex it's like Who's the first victim? I think it's like the girl, um, the the popular girl, the that's popular like girl who's mean to like the she's not a bully. Is she, yeah, yeah she, she's she is a bully. bully because she even before the switch, you have Catherine Newton's character Millie, who mm-hmm. she's dressed in. She makes fun of her outfit. Oh, I love your outfit. Where'd you get it? And she basically, the bargain bin or yeah, something. she mentions the store, the where her mm-hmm. mom works at. So yeah, she is a bully for sure. So after the body switch, she's the first one to get yeah. after the body switch. So that's one person having someone who's mean to Millie. Mean to Millie, not. The serial killer. No, not the serial killer. Like, the serial killer just gets it because he's in Millie's body. body. But then the next person who gets it is someone else who's also been on top of her, is the teacher. Yeah, Alan Ruck. Alan Ruck, who is writing her 
the teacher of shop for no reason just very stringent and mean to her yeah for no reason it makes no sense as to why and she, he like somehow believes that she wants to be the center of attention and like is a problem child right in the class and it's like what where are you looking like that's not that character that's not millie at all right so he has this like conception of her i don't even know and you see it before but then when they switch and the serial killer is in the body like she's he gets that hostility from the teacher as well and he's like okay fine and starts in on the teacher and that's the next kill which is particularly gruesome because like we said he's a shop teacher yes and so there's like a table saw that um the serial killer runs him through and literally splits his body in half and you see the entire thing and it's it's is gnarly like yeah. i thought they were gonna cut away i thought they weren't gonna show it but no 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 they show they it. they put you in there yeah torn in half mm-hmm. it's nuts how they did that it's gross um that's the worst kill right i feel like that's 100 percent the worst kill. yeah because 100 i don't think anything comes close if i had to rank them you know <laughs> Which one's the worst? That's the worst. Yeah. Um. Although the bully getting frozen in the cryo chamber sucks. <laughs> That's not very good for her. But then again, she does use a chainsaw on a couple dudes. Like she okay, cuts up. Okay, so let's go them. go there as well. Yes. It's like yes, yes. It seems like the serial killer beforehand was kind of giving girls and guys an equal play. Like she, at the beginning, it was two girls and two guys. Yeah, yeah. It was two killed. girls, so like two even, guys, and it was even. That, they, you know, they were hanging the out that mansion, house, whatever yeah. you want to call it, by themselves, doing debaucherous things. <laughs> and but when it's when he's in Millie's body, body it's, it's everyone that happens to have had some type of encounter or some type of beef with Millie, the character who. Oh, honestly, no one should have a beef with her. She is so mild-mannered. Yeah, she's, she keeps her herself. Yeah. She is a shy person. But it just happens to be that each one had something. Yeah, so in the some school jocks are all apparently huge homophobes, number one. Number two, casual gang rapers as well yeah so like three guys take an interest in millie because the serial killer is dressing her more provocatively and by provocative i mean a red leather jacket and red lipstick (laughs) and red lipstick and that's it like she has pants on no cleavage like i don't know why everyone's suddenly like holy shit look at this fresh meat so they get taken with her obviously the serial killer is having um a little bit more fun and being flirtatious with them as well right which is weird yeah it's there's the there's a lot to go we'll get into that that doesn't fit the switch but okay so now millie is flirtatious because of the serial killer inside her body um but at the homecoming party which is at the serial killer's den lair whatever you want to call it Mm -hmm. the um the guys kind of 
pull her aside. They trick her into being alone with them. And it's three on, against one, but Millie has a serial killer inside of her. So she jacks them up super bad with a chainsaw. Um, because, I mean, they were literally like about to like gang rape her. They were like, oh, it's three against one, whatever. And like trying to keep it like light or um, like, fun. They're trying to make it seem like playful oh, and it's yeah. cool no 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 it's it's which is terrible. really yeah it's ugly and then uh millie as a serial killer takes a chainsaw to one guy's um groin another what another guy's head was yeah it? completely separate like they li- like she literally just hacks them up yes and then there is the fourth guy the fourth jock who lures the the gay best friend, Josh, to another secluded place on the property and um, tries to come on to him. Possibly there was going to be another rape, but the serial killer in Millie's body intervenes Hmm. and kills (laughs) the homophobic uh, jock. Yeah. And so... The kill count is, I think, in the double digits now. Yeah. Because by of that the time last kill. we get to that last kill, we, it does get the movie up to double digit kills. Um, but my bad. my problem is that it totally feels disjointed. The kills that the serial killer does in Millie's body. Hmm. It's like every crime was like a crime of passion. Right. Versus how he was at the beginning, which was like a premeditated. I'm coming to get these kids. He knows no one's home. No adults are at home. And I'm going to like take them out. Like he's been watching them. Right. And it feels so weird to have. I get that he's a serial killer. But it just does. It feels like there's no motivation at all. Mm -hmm. Except that's it. That's all I do. They got me upset. They got me upset. Or that's all I do. And that is my life. Yeah. I have no other frame. Like a, just a murderous robot. Right. Like it, that's, that's what it feels like. Yeah. And so there's no... Versus, I don't know if you guys have watched a murder show lately or seen one of those true crime things, but serial killers are very complex, I feel. Yes. And they can leave a, lead a normal knife, you know, just fine and then do serial killing every five, ten years, whatever. Like, each one is different. But this serial killer is like... A trope of a serial killer. Yes, it's a trope. Yeah, so that didn't help. It kind of felt the like movie at all. We were watching a Jason or Michael Myers. Yeah, just, just to like kill a mindless. No, yeah, yeah, that's what it felt like when you see Vince Vaughn at the beginning of the movie versus the end. Either way, <laughs> that's all that he was. There's nothing except for I kill. That's it. Yeah, and then. He portrays that in being the killer inside of Millie's body. The way the mannerisms are and stiff and... Strength. A lot of like he expects to be strong and he expects to be like physically imposing. Yes. And that's that's his identity. Like that's even how he walks and like everything. Now, I will give Catherine Newton some props. And maybe this was in the script. But as the movie progresses, 
she uses her oh she she acts as the way a teenager would oh yeah and when she's tied up and she's trying to plead to the guy uh what's his name millie likes Mm -hmm. and she starts using a very girly voice butcher butcher (laughs) you know like really relying on hamming it up and and suddenly like the studio killer can pass for a human being like and they use it to good effect to you know trick people and to pass off that she's a teenage girl start getting used to it again like this side of the serial killer it doesn't fit with what we saw at the beginning which he didn't need any charm to kill all the kids like all four kids so it does feel like two different serial killers and it's shouldn't be right it does feel like two different serial killers now obviously there's been a lot of the we're kind of talking about the bad but there is the one more thing that i did want to mention and it's a side plot that i didn't have any interest in Mm -hmm. and it was the mother side plot where there's there's a side story where millie's father had passed away yeah uh, over a year ago and now you know she's lonely and she's become an alcoholic and trying to get you know connect with the daughter and you know millie feels kind of guilty always mm-hmm. staying home with her and then we have an older sister who's a cop as well who's thrown into the mix female cop another like they're trying to like bend right the tropes and right of course flip things but again like a female cop is like hey well i don't know cool but, like right <laughs> i mean that's fine but I don't know if any of that storyline adds anything to the movie or that's worth talking about or discussing. It's just there to create to some sense of what type of character Millie is. And mm. before the transformation or the switch happens, however you want to call it. And I just found it to be, okay, let's go ahead and move on. Like, there's an entire scene where... Yeah, they were trying to, like, stuff some family drama down with your slasher movie. And, you know, we're just here for the Freaky Friday. Like, you know, it's... Right. I'm here I don't need for the, drama. the body they horror. Even, yeah. And they even dwelled on it when Vince Vaughn, as Millie, goes to the bargain bin or whatever that store is. And the mom... Starts talking to him, and it's a long time it that is. they it's a are very talking. Long time. And Millie's having this weird heart to heart in the with her mom in the body of a serial killer, and like the mom ends up asking out Vince Vaughn, serial killer, and it's very awkward. Like they're trying to get you like un- to uncomfortably laugh, I guess, at the weirdness of it of like the cringe factor because that's a serial killer body and a mom is asking out her daughter who's inside the serial killer it's like it didn't need it and no, it slowed, didn't. that slowed the momentum of like the the sister who's a cop and the other cops are onto them and they need to like book it and find a safe place to kind of gather their heads and make a strategy so, so it's like, it's loaded down. Yeah, and-, and that's what I'm talking about is moments where the movie starts spinning its wheels because 
They know where they need to go. They need to get that knife out of the jail. That knife that has caused the switch between the two people. They need to get it so the audience knows this, that it's a ticking clock. They know where we need to go. And we're just stuck here in this moment. And we're stuck here. And another time that they get stuck is and spinning their wheels is when they're in the house and they have Millie tied up mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and they're inside of Josh's house mm-hmm. and they're just there a little too long it feels yeah. like they're there they're waiting for for the boyfriend the football player the jock who Millie likes to wake up from being knocked over the head or big being knocked out pretty much in some shape or form yeah so he was unconscious and they're just waiting for him to wake up yeah and it's like it's like what? we're taking too long here to move along because mm-hmm. again the movie has even stressed that there's a ticking clock yeah. but they're not acting as in a hurry as they mm-hmm. should be mm-hmm. so little things like that kind of get annoying i know it sounds like we're just bashing this movie but because we're I just, mean, I'm sitting at a two and a half. Right, you, you gave expect? it a two and a half. I gave it a three. And I already talked about what I liked in the movie, what I liked, which was the performances by the two main leads. Did you like the knife, like this like foreign object that apparently has um, magical powers? I was trying to figure out before I went into the movie, how are they going to land on the being able to have these two people switch bodies? I was trying to figure mm. that out. What plot mechanism were they going to do to get this done? I actually wish that they had leaned more into like the backstory of the knife because that seemed thrown in there and more like a MacGuffin than anything. Yes, it does feel like a MacGuffin. And not only the use of the knife and then having to get the knife and use it again. So, yes. It would have been cool to, you know, what would have been if interesting. If they started like in the past, and it was like, you know, how the knife came to get its powers, or like the first time someone used it, took like, the that's words what right we out of my needed. mouth. We needed like a um, a backstory to that, and then we can come to present day, where now the knife has made its way into this art collector's house. Like it, you know, it's. I honestly feel like this movie could have made it longer mm. and you could have fit much more into it to make the movie move. Yeah. Because you could have introduced the origin of the item. You could have introduced Vince Vaughn. And had a cool cameo yeah. in there yeah. or something. Yeah. Whatever you want in that prologue or epilogue. No way. It's prologue. It's a prologue. Yes. Prologue. <laughs> Okay, so you could have done that. You could have introduced more Vince Vaughn. Maybe he's more of a charming person than you think. Turns out to be a serial killer. And then once the body switch happens, don't waste so much time on the shock of them switching bodies. (laughs) But more of the funny stuff that can happen when they switch bodies. Mm -hmm. There wasn't enough of that because at the end of the day, this is supposed to be a slasher comedy Mm -hmm. and it didn't really lean into the comedy there should be moments where you should be laughing because vince vaughn has discovered something about being a teenage girl that he didn't realize before or in the case of the character it's a girl inside a man's body what funny things could happen with Mm -hmm. that with that kind of stuff there wasn't enough of it 
No. That's the problem. And I think that, you know, Catherine Newton having a serial killer inside of a teenage body, get there quicker. Get to the mm-hmm. acting mm-hmm. With, like a teenage girl and trying to trick people sooner. Yeah. It, Versus like in the moment, all of a sudden the serial killer has like a great, can switch back and forth between certain personas. Right. Exactly. And so overall, I I like some of the movie and it was good to see Vince Vaughn back. But at the end of the day, just like you said, this is going to be like a movie in a couple of months. Oh, yeah, that movie. Mm-hmm. It's mm-hmm. not going to be memorable. It's not going to be anywhere near at the top of the list of the top movies, even with how Bad light of a year, year 2000. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I don't know if I have anything else to lend or say about the movie that hasn't already been said. So two things. Go ahead. One thing is when they had um, the serial killer in Millie's body tied up in Josh's house, they didn't blindfold the serial killer. (laughs) And that was like really problematic for me because if you are planning to get the knife and your planning is around the vicinity of the serial killer and you have this shoddy like knots tying the serial killer and you just like the serial killer was looking at them the whole time billy was watching them the whole time and i don't know it's maybe it's just me and like self-defense i'm like take away some senses like blindfold that person it didn't make sense for like you know when the mom when josh's mom walks in that's how he knows there's a an adult here and I can ham it up. It's like it's dumb. Yeah. Cuz he sees. Yeah, it is. Everything. It sees everything, knows their plan. Yeah, it's know what dumb. they're trying to do. It's so dumb like they didn't even try. Lastly, the they get switched back, spoiler alert. <laughs> and <laughs> there's this whole like epilogue actually at the end of the movie where the serial killer doesn't die. Right after like taking Vaughn a couple bullets, die. yeah, he takes yeah he takes a couple of bullets, doesn't die, escapes the ambulance, and comes after Millie and her mom and her sister. They all live in one house, and the the serial killer ends up like giving this weird speech to Millie as she's like down, and I didn't buy it at all. No. It was like, I've been in your body. I know how you live. You know, I can understand why you're, you feel so weak and helpless and all this stuff. And like, as if she has a reason to like die because her life is so terrible. And it's like, her life isn't terrible. It's really not. Not even in the slightest is her life terrible. Like just putting aside that she's white and blonde. She has, she lives with her mom. She lives with her sister. So it's like, you know, she has a support system there. She's attractive. And she has great best friends who are on her side. And like, even when she was in the body of a serial killer, they were there. So it does. It. Also, she lives in like, you know, middle, middle class household, goes to a school. It's not like she's like out on the streets like there's not a lot wrong with her life to me so for the serial killer to say we'll fix that by me killing you it's 
dumb. I think it's so dumb. I really wish that because the movie you could tell is really leaning into the especially when Vince Vaughn was like it was scary when he didn't have any words like he he was just in a mask at the beginning killing kids. Now he's giving a whole speech before he kills a kid. Like it's so dumb. I thought it was yeah, dumb. Yeah, it's the evil villain revealing their plan cliche. Mm. Yeah. I really, you know what? I wish this movie because this movie was close to doing it and it should have just done it. Just lean into the campiness of it. Yeah. This movie should have been pretty campy and it would have been better for it. Instead of yeah. just it holds back, it reigns in moments that should be over the top or mm-hmm. silly. And a movie like this is silly. Body switching is not <laughs> normal not serious. or serious. It's not going to win any Oscars. No, it's not going to. So just go all out. Yeah, yeah. Lean into it. And it's really funny that the movie does. There's a moment that we both noticed. They a cue from Hitchcock and oh, yeah. they use Que Sera Sera, which is a cover from a very famous song that was used in The Man Who Knew Too Much yes. from 1950. I'm forgetting the year. 55. James Stewart and Doris Day. Yes. <laughs> and that's a famous song that came from it. Yep. I think he even won an Oscar. Yeah. And yes, it, was it did. Doris Day, it like made Doris yeah. Day even more famous because of that and song. And so it's a bit on the nose. Having it is <laughs> a you know they're wearing their influences on their their sleeve and by influence I mean the thriller type of aspect mm-hmm. that they're trying to go for, but at the end of the day, again, if they would have leaned more into the camp, I think this movie would have been funnier and it would have been more memorable. Mm. And trim some fat and maybe get a an intro to the knife. Yeah. Those little things. The mystical knife. <laughs> would have made a difference for this movie. Yep. Yeah. I think with that said, I think that we are good on the movie We're Freaky. We're done. <laughs> and I would say personally, say just wait. Don't till it's on watch streaming. it. You don't have to go out and, no, you and watch this movie in theaters. There's no, there's no reason for no, it. No, no. Just wait till it's on streaming. It, it could be a fun night because you don't have to pay too much attention to it. Nope. So check it out then. All right. With that said, is there anything coming down the pike? Because I know there's a movie that I'm excited for that's oh, coming what? down the pike. And it's coming on Netflix, but it's at the very beginning of December. That is Mank, the new David Fincher film starring Gary Oldman. Oh, my God. You are going to eat that up. Oh, yeah. <laughs> It's a story of Mankiewicz, who mm. co-wrote or wrote Citizen Kane. Mm-hmm. The movie's mm-hmm. in black and white, right. and the trailer dropped. It's going all over. And it had a very 1940s-style trailer with new <laughs> pictures and yeah. with that old-timey voice. Yeah. So I'm really excited for that. But outside of that, I don't think there's anything new movies that really are coming down the pike between the next couple of weeks. So mm-hmm. we'll see what we come up with between with different topics. I know that the holidays are coming, so maybe we steer into that direction. 
But I will say, if you want to keep up with us, find out what we're going to be doing on the show, go ahead and follow us on social media at AlwaysCriticPod. That's a good way because we do interact with people there. If you have any suggestions or recommendations, you could talk to us there as well. Yep. Facebook, Instagram, Twitter. We're on the social. <laughs> <laughs> and don't forget to give us a five five star review on iTunes. And I insist five stars because I think our show is pretty good. Yeah, it's pretty good. Yeah, yeah it's pretty good. Why not? It doesn't hurt to give us a five-star review. So with that said, that has been our show. I'm Rico. And I'm Jessica. And this has been the Always a Critic Podcast.